Hey there, Pastor Allen here. Thank you so much for checking out this message from Praise Assembly. Our prayer is that it is meaningful, purposeful, and that the Holy Spirit speaks to you personally through it. If you find it helpful, would you consider supporting Praise Assembly? Just go out to our website at praise.church and hit the Give Now button in order to support this and other resources we are making available. This message is a part of a series called Idols, Honoring the Giver to Better Enjoy the Gifts, in which we are discussing what it looks like to make sure that God is first in our hearts. May the Holy Spirit use this in your life. I am so glad that you are here today. Do we have any Chiefs fans in the house today? Do we, do we have any Cowboys fans in the house today? You know, I, I really thought this was going to be your year. <laughs> nothing to say, nothing to say. Do we have any 49ers fans in the house today? <laughs> Any 49ers fans joining online? Yeah, you're hiding, I know. (laughs) Oh, man, I don't know if you know, but today is a big day. There's something happening a little later today, Super Bowl Sunday. How many of you are going to a party of some kind today or hosting a party? We're going to our small group uh, and or youth party. Who's going to the youth Super Bowl party? That was pathetic. <laughs> um, we uh, are going to our small group uh, Super Bowl party, and so I got up at midnight last night in order to start the smoke for the pork shoulders that we're bringing. And so if I make no sense today, that's why it is, okay? Because, whoo, that, that is an act of love. Yeah, today is kind of a big day. In fact, I mentioned in my email leading up today to today that you can today win tickets to the big game. Let's go. You didn't know that, but you can. You can win tickets to the big game this morning. All you need to do is go to praise.fyi and on praise.fyi under message notes, there is an opportunity for you to say what you think the score of the game will be. Okay, if you put in what you think the score of the game will be, it has to be done by 4 p.m., okay? The, the person who is the closest will win tickets to the big game. And by the big game, of course, what I'm talking about is the opening game of the opening season of the Ozarks Lunkers. <laughs> Ozarks Lunkers. Ozarks Lunkers! Never mind. We got Ozarks Lunkers somewhere. All right, it's coming. It'll be up there eventually. I know. I have no doubt. Ozarks Lunkers is the new Springfield semi-pro arena league football team launching this year. First game of the year is in June. 
And so we have four tickets to the person who most accurately predicts the score of the game. You don't have to put any money in, so this is not gambling, okay? This is just predicting, and the person who gets the closest will win four tickets to the Ozarks Lunkers' first game of their existence, and I think they're playing um, Waterloo. I don't know who Waterloo... Ozarks Lunkers! Um, there it is. Uh, so so uh, if you get on there, now you also have to put in, as a tiebreaker, because some people might pick the score exactly, it has to be done by 4 p.m. Anything after 4 p.m., disqualified. But if you pick the score exactly, someone else might as well. And so you have to also add in a hot take. Okay, something you think will happen during the game, and whoever's the closest or the best, whichever, on the hot take, will win those Ozark Lunkers tickets, okay? So you can win that today. Come on, somebody. All right, I know you're excited about that. Um, Yeah, the Super Bowl is kind of a big deal. It is the big game in the U.S. If you don't know, uh, last year's Super Bowl was the second most watched television uh, experience event of all time, okay? If you're wondering what number one was, The moon landing, okay? So the moon landing had probably around the world predicted or estimated around 650 million people watched the the moon landing, 150 million just in the U.S. alone. But number two was last year's Super Bowl watching the Chiefs win, which had 115.1 million people watching it. That's the most of any Super Bowl of all time. So that set a new record. And expectations are that this year, with the Taylor Swift effect, (laughs) that the record will be broken again this year. Because $10,000 is steep for a football ticket. But it's a killer deal to see Taylor Swift in person. So, like, (laughs) oh, man. So it's going to be a big deal. It's going to be a big deal. I don't know if you know why the Super Bowl is called a bowl. Super Bowl. It actually comes from college football, originally from the Rose Bowl in particular, which the stadium looks like a bowl. And so the game that was the championship game for, here it is. See? Uh, So it looks like a bowl. And so because of that, they started calling that game a bowl game or the bowl game. And then from there in the AFL-NFL merger in 1970, They decided to call the big game at the end because, of course, the AFL became the AFC. The NFL became the NFC. The game between the two uh, winners became called, I mean, they decided to call it the Super Bowl. And so that's why it's called a bowl game. Who knows which team has the most NFL championships of all time? Green Bay Packers. Come on, somebody. Yep. 13 NFL championships, but only four Super Bowls, because nine of those NFL championships came before the Super Bowl even existed, but they do have the most NFL championships of all time. Yeah. Now, on a 100% unrelated note, we are talking about idols and idolatry. (laughs) Totally unrelated. To everything I just said, 
Okay, so we are talking about idolatry. So far, what we've been talking about is some of the most obvious idols in our culture. And so we started this series off with talking about cell phones. And for those who are participating in No Phone February, for those who aren't, it doesn't mean literally no phones in February. It's really just about making sure we're getting a hold of our phones and putting them in their place. And so if you did participate in it and you're wondering where's your weekly mystery challenge, it'll be dropping at 12 p.m. today because we thought before church is probably not the best time to put out a challenge on your phones. Already people who are setting up screen time on Apple devices, how many of you get that screen time report on Sunday mornings before church? Yeah, so you're all coming in discouraged. And so we don't want, we don't want any more of that than absolutely necessary. Last week I mentioned that our most underrepresented group in the No Phone February Challenge was those who are over the age of 60. And I said, I don't know why that is. I'm not making any determinations about it. But I did have somebody who came to me and said, I think I know why the most underrepresented group in No Phone February is those who are over the age of 60. It was Becky Getzko. And so she said, let me share with you my screen time from last week. And now I'm going to share it with you. This is Becky Getzko's screen time from last week. Now that is not the weekly total. That is the daily total of five minutes. The weekly total is 31 minutes, okay? So, so for some of us, that is totally unimaginable, right? Totally unimaginable. Um, now, uh, her husband, Pat, isn't doing quite as well as she is. Here is Pat's. So 12 minutes per day, total of one hour and 24 minutes, which is an increase of 164, 167% from last week. So Pat, um, you better get that uh, bet number back down, okay? Um, so I guess that's a good reason to not participate. Uh, but for those who have participated, what we have noticed is those who are participating are those who have the most maybe to lose through the process, give up the most and sacrifice the most through it and maybe benefit also the most from it. And so it has been great participation. We're excited about how it's going. Last or two weeks ago, we talked about money. No money. When we hit money, which was awesome, Bible clearly calls greed idolatry, just very clearly says this is an issue of replacing God as our summit and source of our lives with money. The Bible says you cannot serve both God and money, that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. But with all idols that we've talked about, these are not necessarily bad things in and of themselves. It's when these things get out of alignment in our hearts that things get weird and just really get ugly. And so for that reason, we talked about money. My phone is not an evil thing, but when it, it starts to take from me the things that are more important than it, that's when things get weird. Last week, we talked about sex. If you missed it, check it out. Uh, this last week, I was up at Evangel uh, sitting in on the class on preaching and um, as I was there, the, the teacher in front of the class said, so what did you talk about on Sunday? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, uh, I just said sex. And he was like, okay, well, there we go. All right. Um, so, but each week we've had a challenge. And so the first week we had no phone February challenge. 
Week two, of course, we did the No Money March Challenge last week, and this was not my suggestion. We did the No Action April Challenge, right? Um, Now, today, we are talking about entertainment as idolatry. And so I didn't need anybody's suggestions on this one. When I came up with today's idea, it was just obvious, right? No Super Bowl Sunday. (laughs) I figured right now is the best time to let you know that I'm calling a one-day media fast for the church just for today. And if you have a bunch of people coming over to your house, don't tell them in advance. Just let them come and then bust out Scrabble. I bet you they come up with lots of four-letter words. (laughs) This is the best and the worst day to talk about entertainment as idolatry. It's the worst because I don't want to come out and just slam the Super Bowl or slam the Kansas City Chiefs. And quite honestly, when the church goes head-to-head with entertainment, for whatever reason, this idol in particular always wins. Going back to the Roman Empire, there was a Roman father, church father, who was slamming the Colosseum before the Christians were the ones in the Colosseum slamming the Colosseum, and people would leave church and go to the Colosseum immediately afterwards. It's never worked. This is a part of the reason why the Puritans had to leave, because they were experiencing persecution, because they had shut down the theater district in England, and so they had to flee. For whatever reason, the church always seems to lose when it goes head-to-head with this idol. And quite honestly, I don't think that's the right approach anyways. It does get close to home for people, quite honestly. Like last week, somebody, when we had the little images of the different idols that are in our culture, or maybe in yours, somebody afterwards came up to me and said, why didn't you do one for coffee? I said, because you're a jerk. (laughs) That's not an idol. (laughs) Leave me alone. So I said, okay, fine, here's coffee as an idol. That's actually my little shrine at my home for coffee as an idol. That is Miss Sylvia, which I have paired with a sete grinder, and I've added a PID to it and a pressure gauge on the top. That is literally too close to home for me. And so I, I, here's an AI-generated image, which is a little bit more comfortable. That's what uh, coffee as an idol looks like. Shoo. All right. So let's see football as an idol. Oh, wait. I've seen that before. That's just a Lombardi trophy. Like, it's not hard to point out the ways that entertainment can take an unhealthy place in our lives, right? And this is why for some of us, cutting screen time may not be a big deal, but for some of us, it really, really is, because in some ways, this is for us a window into entertainment, because this little device feeds to us entertainment on a regular basis. Entertainment, I believe, is one of the most obvious idols we have in our country, right? We idolize 
our superstars and idolize our entertainers. We pay them a whole lot of money. For a while, we literally had a TV show called American Idol, which I'm not even sure if that's still on, but for a while, when it was in its heyday, we used to watch it, right? Like, we have famous people who are famous because they entertain us, and then we have famous people who are famous for being famous, Everybody has their own brand, and they put it out for others to look at and marvel at, and they have to find a way to monetize it. But there's a reason, I believe, that we love looking at 8-second or 9-second or 12 or 13-second videos on TikTok. I think it really comes back to Proverbs chapter 27, verse 20, which says, Sheol and Abaddon are never satisfied. And never satisfied are the eyes of man. Sheol was the place where dead were considered to go. It was like this hollowed out place under the earth. Abaddon is death, right? There's two things that are guaranteed, death and taxes, right? But everyone dies. They just keep dying. When Proverbs 27.20 was written, no one could stop the grave. It came for everyone, which is, of course, changed for us. But there is still death, and it is never satisfied. And this scripture compares our eyes to hell and death. That's really very heavy. Like the, the, our eyes, just like the grave, will never be satisfied. Our eyes are ravenous. Our eyes are ravenous. And this goes back to the beginning of time. You want to look at the fall of man. The human eyes have had an appetite from the beginning when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes. She took the fruit and ate. And isn't that what idolatry is anyways? Idolatry is taking a God who we cannot see and making an image that we can lay our eyes Upon That's what Romans 1.23 is calling the humanity out for. Exchanging, it says, the glory of God for an image. That's what idolatry is. I read an incredible book by a guy named Tony Reinke. I mentioned this guy before. I, I, I love his writing. And I'm reading one of his books right now in between, you know, the six books that I have to read for next week for the class that I'm in. But this book, I, I really enjoy re- reading. It's, it's the way he writes, what he has to say is fantastic. And it's really, it's, it's about, it's a theology of technology. It's called God, Technology, and the Human Life. Super good. Super good book as I've been working through it. Um, but the book I want to recommend is from the same guy named Tony Reinke. If you want to dig deeper into this idea, it's called Competing Spectacles. Competing Spectacles. Super good, super to the point, super on point, actually pretty short. But what I love most is the image on the cover. Like, doesn't that say it? It says exactly who we are. Which brings me to the verse that I want to read for us today. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 8. Here's what it says. Everything, actually, yeah, everything is wearisome beyond description. No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. In the ESV, all things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. 
The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. Is that not entertainment in a nutshell? No matter how much we see, we keep always looking for more. You know, we don't have live TV at our house. And, and, and really that goes back to the fact that we were never really cable people or satellite people. Um, we, we couldn't justify spending 120 or 170 or however much it cost for cable that everybody used to pay for cable, right? Like we were like, eh. And so when people started cutting the cord, we had no cord to cut. It wasn't a big deal. We just don't have live TV, which means we can't watch football during the season. So when I get to see it, I can, it's at somebody else's house or um, maybe I can follow along on ESPN or something like that. Like that's how I watch the game. But what's so interesting is when everybody started cutting the cord, they would get streaming services instead. They got Netflix and then Hulu and then Disney Plus and then HBO Max and then Amazon Prime and then Peacock and then Apple TV. And before you know it, they are paying as much for their streaming services as they paid for the cable TV beforehand. And for us, that was the same thing. We like just kept adding little subscriptions here and there, and then the prices kept going up. There is like a budgeting app that the whole point of the app, and you'll see commercials probably for it today, the whole point of the budgeting app is to tell you what you have subscriptions to because you don't even know. Because all these things just keep adding up, and before you know it, you're paying tons of money to watch shows that you're not even watching. And so what we decided in our house was to cut it all. We cut every service, Netflix, Hulu, Peacock. I mean, we cut everything. And then we said, when we want to watch a show, we'll get it for a month, and then we'll cut it at the end of the month. And that's worked out really, really Great for us. Right now, I want to watch Masters of the Air, right? Which is Tom Hanks' new uh, Band of Brothers, then the Pacific. Now it's Masters of the Air, which is Air Force, World War II. Um, I, don't, I don't know what's in it yet. I haven't looked at that. But we're waiting to watch it until it's all out, which will be like next month or something. And we'll get Apple TV for one month, and we'll watch it, and then we'll cut it off. So we have literally zero streaming services. So we have no live TV and zero streaming services, except for one. So zero streaming services, except for one. We pay $13 a month for YouTube Premium. Because we want to watch YouTube without any advertisements. Best investment ever. The most recent statistics say of YouTube that every hour, 30,000 hours of video are uploaded. Every hour of every day, 24 hours a day, three and a half years of video are uploaded within that hour. That is absolutely nuts. And YouTube can keep my eyes. Like my eyes, man, I'll, I'll start watching. And the other day I was looking at somebody else's YouTube feed and I didn't recognize any of the content creators. I'm like, that's what your YouTube feed looks like? Mine looks totally different. I have a guy in Alaska who goes out in the wilderness with his boys and he just survives on nothing. Like they dig in the snow and they survive in the snow and like negative 10 degree weather. Like 
It's awesome. Never going to do it, but I love watching somebody else do it, right? There's a guy in Iowa who works on tractors. I don't know why this guy's in my feed, but one day he showed up and I clicked on it and now I can't stop watching him. There's another guy who fixes really fancy cars in England. No idea. I'm never going to be able to afford one of those cars, but I love this guy watching him fix these cars. There's another guy who's like digging a tunnel under his house that he's in my feed. Um, There's a video game streamer. I won't tell you anything about that. Um, But I can lose myself in it. Like I can sit down to watch YouTube and I'm watching it for a really long time and I get to the end. And normally when I watch it is when it's been a really long day. When I get home at the end of a really long day and I just wanna veg out. And so I just veg out and I turn on YouTube. What I've noticed is this. I am never refreshed at the end. It's just the opposite. I'm more drained instead of less. It it does the opposite. It is absolutely wearisome to consider. It is exactly what Ecclesiastes 1.8. It is full of weariness for me. It says... A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing. No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. I wanted to illustrate this. And so this week I actually went out and I bought an Apple Vision Pro, which it was $3,500. I told Liz two things. Number one, it'll be a really great sermon illustration. And number two, and you know, I mean, that makes sense, right? And number two, it would help keep my, um, my uh, screen time on my phone down. And so uh, she said, okay, yeah, go for it, honey. And so this is, hold on, let me just replace you all with Packers fans. This is not an Apple Vision Pro. This is a $17 pair of skiing goggles with a a safety pin cord on the side of it. But this looks exactly like the Apple Vision Pro. Now, if you don't know about the Apple Vision Pro, good for you. But it is, by every account, every review I saw, I mean, first off, this is exactly what it looks like, but every review said something to this effect. The technology is not yet there, but we have a vision of what the future will be. Because the Apple Vision Pro was not about virtual reality, right? Like the meta um, Facebook VR headset, whatever Mark Zuckerberg calls it, I don't remember. But theirs is the VR that you get into a world where you can look around and see everything. The Apple Vision Pro, the vision for that is not virtual reality, it is augmented reality. And so they have cameras on the outside of it, which passes through video. The goal eventually is to get to the point where you are wearing glasses and you are always able to add to your screen as you're looking at the world, whatever else you want to see. And so I've watched videos on YouTube of people wearing the Apple Vision Pro as they're skiing. (laughs) Or somebody wearing it while they're driving a Tesla Cybertruck, which is, this is the world we live in. 
And the idea is that you will have for your eyes whatever you want at any point. And this is the future, that the Apple Vision Pro will be much more like that, that you will see what you want to see and have it always right there. And the thing is, for our eyes, that they are never filled with seeing. Our ears are never filled with hearing. Entertainment is never enough to satisfy. And it never will be enough. Because no matter how much we see, our eyes will never be satisfied. Well, why would that be? Let me share with you a quote that I've shared with you before. It's from C.S. Lewis. Here's what he says. Creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exist. A baby feels hunger? Well, there is such a thing as food. A duckling wants to swim. There is such a thing as water. And if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. If none of the earthly pleasures satisfy it, that does not prove the universe is a fraud. Probably, earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy it, but only to arouse it, to suggest the real thing. We were made for more. We were made to see something. We were made to long for something. Our eyes ache for something. Our eyes ache for glory. Our eyes ache for glory. Let me tell you what you will see tonight in the Super Bowl. You will see an incredible spectacle. And 115 million other people will be watching it together with you. You will talk on Monday about the commercials. Those commercials that those companies paid $7 million for 30 seconds of your eyeballs. And you will talk at least about the best, biggest, funniest of the lot. And the halftime show will be incredible. Whether you like the music or not, it will be a spectacle. And you will be amazed at least by one thing. You will see Taylor Swift six times. That's my prediction. Six times. Count it. Six times. That's my suggestion. Six times. In fact, you can bet in Las Vegas on how many times you will see Taylor Swift tonight. You can bet on how many times they're going to show Taylor Swift. You can also bet, and by the way, Odds are 9-1 to one that Travis Kelsey will propose at the end of the Super Bowl to uh, Taylor Swift. I'm just saying, 9-1 to one odds. You will see the Chiefs win. You will see the Chiefs win. And by next week, you won't care about any of it. You want to know how I know? Because the Chiefs winning last year's Super Bowl was not enough for you. It wasn't. 
Have you forgotten? And why am I saying all of this? Out of despair? No. I am saying your eyes were made for glory. Your eyes were made to look upon the greatest spectacle of all time. See, Jesus wasn't the only one who was crucified. The Romans did this all the time. Thousands upon thousands of people were crucified in the Roman Empire. And it was always intended to attract attention. It was always intended that the living bodies hung on trees as in front of roads as people walk into a city would grab attention of the masses. It was a blood sport. It was public and it was visible. It was not confined to an arena. And it was always intended that those who walked by would be a part of the dehumanization of those who were on those crosses. And the Roman Empire used it to flex their power and to show how mighty they were. It was so vile as a punishment that Roman citizens were not allowed to be crucified. You had to be a slave or someone else who fully deserved that sort of intimidation. One theologian said the mocking and the jeering that accompanied crucifixion were not only allowed, they were a part of the spectacle and were programmed into it. Everyone understood that the passers-by were a part of that process. Crucifixion was designed cleverly. Some might even say diabolically. To be a theatrical enactment of the most inhumane impulses of our souls. Luke 23 verse 48 says, And all the crowds that had assembled for the spectacle... All had assembled for the spectacle. But they got more than they bargained for. Because in that moment, all of creation convulsed. The sky went dark. The tombs were opened. The curtain in the temple tore from top to bottom, the sun was eclipsed for three hours. The death of Jesus Christ was more than just a spectacle. It was the spectacle. And all who came before looked towards it. And all who have come since must look back on it. Colossians chapter 2, it says to us in verse 14, he canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities and he shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. So, Don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbath. For these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself is that reality. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of angels saying... 
that they have had visions about these things. Their sinful minds have made them proud, and they are not connected to Christ, the head of the body, for he holds the whole body together with its joints and ligaments, and it grows as God nourishes it. You have died with Christ, and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep on following the rules of this world, such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch, Such rules uh, are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. This week I mentioned online that Liz and I canceled Amazon Prime. And like some people were like super worried about that. Like, is that what you're coming for next, Alan? Are you coming for our Amazon Prime next? Like, please don't come for my Amazon Prime. But for Liz and I, we'd been talking about this for a while, like since December and like we're not trying to become monks here. Like, that's not the goal of this thing. But for us, we were, like, talking about it in December. We're like, let's wait till after Christmas to give up two-day free shipping, okay? Like, and so something that we had been thinking about, and I put it on my calendar, and every day I was getting a reminder, and I just said, I'm just going to do it. Because we have had Amazon Prime since they invented it in 2005. We've never stopped. We've always had Amazon Prime. And then they added video streaming and sound music streaming and all of the other things that come along with it. This is not for us about that. This isn't us saying, hey, let's not do this and let's not do that. This isn't about saying no. The goal of this series is not to become monks. It's not to say no phones, no money, no sex, no entertainment, no nothing. It's just the opposite. It is to say, what if you could find a way to better enjoy the gifts? I enjoyed this year watching the Packers play more than maybe I have in a long time. At least most of the time. There were a couple games in there where they couldn't even get a first down. Those were miserable. I didn't enjoy those even a little bit. But for the vast majority of the time, when I was able to watch the Packers play, I enjoyed it more this year. And that made me stop and reflect because I realized that in the years past, when Aaron Rodgers was the quarterback, I had certain expectations. I expected them to go to the playoffs. I expected them to do well. And along with expectation and seeing it happen comes entitlement. And I'm entitled to those sorts of things. So then when it didn't happen, I was mad. And I did not enjoy it. Even if they won, all they did was meet my expectation. And if they lost then there was huge disappointment for me. If you expect them to win, see, Cowboys fans wouldn't understand this, but like, (laughs) no, 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 no. But Chiefs fans do. And I was talking to one of my good friends this, this, this year, and he was saying, man, it's such a weird thing. But when the Chiefs used to lose... I would get so mad and it would throw me off for multiple days. And then I realized this year, 
Like, these guys aren't even connected with me. They don't know who I am. And I don't know them. So why would I let them indicate or impact whether or not I'm happy or sad? And then just this week, just yesterday, actually, somebody else texted me. And they had gone to the MSU game. They were walking out of the game afterwards. MSU lost. And they were walking out of the game. And you see families with their kids. And they're coming out of a game where they should have been entertained. And they were all mad as a family together, mad. Because MSU lost. Like at what point is the entertainment not enough? Like if the Chiefs lose tonight, how would that affect your heart? I mean, seriously, because maybe something is out of line. It is entertainment, nothing more. And the moment you get any sort of self-identity from that, that is idolatry. Get it in order. Now, why? So that you can better enjoy the gift. If you just enjoy the game for what it is, that is entertainment. I have not yet once talked about the tagline to this series. The tagline to this whole series for idols is honoring the giver to better enjoy the gifts. That's the whole point. We get these things in order, and then you better enjoy entertainment. That's the point. Let's get it in order, not to say, resist all of these things. Hold yourself back. Say no to everything. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is get the things in their proper place. And boy, you're going to enjoy those gifts way more than if they get out of line. If you honor the giver, you will better enjoy the gifts. That's what Paul says here in Colossians. Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline. But they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. Chapter 3, verse 1. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights, turn your eyes on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. Do you want to know why it is never enough? Why it's never enough? Because you were made to gaze upon him. And anything less than that is just going to stir up the desire to see him even more. And so that ache here and that ache here will never be satisfied here. 
allow that to turn your attention to the bigger things. Because we were made to look upon that. Like the Israelites looked upon the bronze snake in the wilderness and they were saved. We look on him who can take our sins and we are saved. And the absolutely beautiful thing is this. Whereas entertainment you can veg out in front of and leave even more weary than you started. When we gaze upon him, something greater happens. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So, all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. As we gaze upon his beauty, as we turn our eyes to him, we are transformed. That's what happens with any of the idols, right? The more you turn your eyes to a specific idol, the more that idol makes you like it, somehow less than human. There is only one God that as we look upon him and are transformed, that it goes higher, not lower, right? That it gets better, not worse. That we become more than human, not less than human, right? There is only one that as we are transformed, we are transformed from one degree of glory to another. And this comes from the Spirit, or the Lord who is the Spirit. That's why we worship. That's why as we worship, it is important that we worship. That's why when he becomes the focus of our love, our attention, the top spot in our heart, that it changes us to become like him. I've said that our worship is weighty. Your worship is weighty. It's heavy. It's the way the Bible talks about it. Uses the word heavy for it. The thing is, there is only one who can carry it without collapsing underneath it. There is only one on whom you and I can put our worship that will not fall underneath it and take us with it. Him. That as we put the weight of our worship on him, that in some way it draws us upwards in him. And this is why our eyes will never be satisfied. And when you watch tonight, at some point in the midst of all of it, here's my challenge. Stop and think about 
what it is awakening inside of you. 115 million people watching together. 100,000 around one field. And think of the glory of heaven, which will put all of the theatrics and beauty to shame. Awaken inside of your soul a desire for even greater than this. And if you do that, if that takes the top place in your heart, then you will better enjoy the game. If there is even a worry in your heart that you will leave that game angry or that it'll stir up disappointment inside of you, it is just a game. They don't know you exist. They don't care that you exist. There is something so much more. And all of this just points and awakens a desire for that. So don't say no, don't touch, don't look. But honor the giver. Honor the one that all of this stuff just awakens a desire inside of us for. Enjoy the pageant. Enjoy the beauty. Enjoy all of the jokes and all of the stuff that comes along with it. Enjoy it, but recognize it for what it is. The best we can do on our own. Do not allow anything to take that place in your heart. I'm going to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes for a moment. Your deepest need, your deepest need, your eyes ache for glory. And that Colossians passage says very clearly what happened in the cross. It was a spectacle of epic proportions. In that moment, he canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities, and he shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. That is what Jesus Christ accomplished in the cross for all of us. And we, all of us here, have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we, everyone here, those on stage, those in the seats, all of us need to put our faith in Jesus Christ for the salvation of our souls. Because Proverbs 27:20 was true back then. Death will never be satisfied. Well, until Jesus Christ came. And then death was totally and completely defeated for those who put their faith in him. And if you have not done that, Romans tells us that you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, and you will be saved. Confess Jesus Christ as Lord of your life, as that top spot in your heart, not money, not sex, not power, not anything else. He takes that top spot. If you believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, rose again for new life for you, then you will be saved. That's what it says.